0: To the gym podcast, uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Eddie, introduce us. Jimbo, ready. Jimbo, Randy.
1: What? Are we Are we live? We're live, and I think All right. we, we got a lot to talk about
0: today, don't
1: we? We do. We have quite a few topics, um, and we also have an overall—I guess you could say—call it a theme. It'll make sense later. Later in the episode, what I'm talking about.
0: It will, I promise. But it will, it will.
1: all play into each other.
0: It's you know we're um, kind of at we're at the point in the season now. It's uh we're a quarter of the way through. Hard to believe. But
1: we're not. We're yeah. We're about a quarter. We're actually, it, it a quarter of by. the regular
0: season. Yeah. It's it's not The to regular think about.
1: season. Yeah.
0: And so, Randy, you had some so, thoughts here. You wanted to op- open up with.
1: First of all, since we are a quarter of the way through the season, this is a tradition every year where we have the September Heisman. Sip, sip, September Heisman. 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 And I'm ready <laughs> to crown. I'm ready to crown my September Heisman finalists. Okay. As we all know, the September Heisman and the December Heisman don't always add up. There's usually a little bit of difference there. So I'm going to start this off. Out of three players, I'm really, I really like watching. Okay, number one is going to be Jake Hainer from Fresno State. Um, a lot of people forget that Fresno State has a history of really, really tough quarterbacks. Trent Dilfer went there, Derek Carr, Derek David Carr. Carr, yeah, the Carr brothers. Yeah, yeah and they, Fresno's a really good team. I think they deserve a lot of credit for beating UCLA. I don't think UCLA got exposed. I think Fresno's really good. They also almost beat Oregon. You have to remember that. That's true, yeah. Uh, with Jay Kaner, he leads the nation in passing yards, and he's, he's completing 74% of his passes. So he's playing, playing out of his mind. And if you remember, he won the UCLA game on like I'm throwing dimes, basically on one leg. He was obviously hurt because he had gotten hurt a couple drives before, and he was limping after every throw. Mm-hmm. You could tell he was in pain. So for him to tough that out and lead his team to a victory, it, it says a lot about him because he he was the one still carrying the team despite being hurt. Uh, the second one I have listed that I'm looking out for is going to be Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. Wow. Thir- yeah, 1300. <laughs> he has 1300 passing yards through three games. So that's over 400 yards a game. Uh, 11 touchdowns to two interceptions. Uh, but I want to make a caveat here. He played North Carolina. And in the very first Jim podcast episode, I pointed out North Carolina and how their defense is usually really bad and how Sam Howell off game, wins them games and shootouts. True. So that's who Virginia last played. And so even though he put up, what, 39 points, I just want to put a little asterisk there that he might drop off, but he does look very good. Um, and notably, I just mentioned how much I like Sam Howell, and I don't have him on this list, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Uh he kind of reminds me of Brett Favre a little bit sometimes <laughs> in the way he plays. He does because he's he's very much a gunslinger. Gunslinger, he yeah, yeah. He has so the thing is he has like four or five interceptions to eleven touchdowns, and I mean he's he's having to be the team. He is the whole team, yeah. Which I guess I guess really is what the Heisman Trophy is all about. But they're not going to vote for a guy. They're not going to vote for a Brett Favre type player that throws a lot of picks. They're looking for. Yeah, they I don't want, know how to put it.
0: Both quarterbacks, like, they don't want sloppiness. Like, they want a really clean, you know, sheet, not a lot
1: of interceptions, basically. They want a clean sheet. I wouldn't even call his play sloppy. It's just more he has to force it to yeah. have a chance. That's fair. And my last September Heisman finalist sip, sip, Tim 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 Heisman. Heisman. is Matt Corral from Ole Miss. He has six touchdowns, zero interceptions, and Ole Miss is currently averaging over 50 points a game. Uh and their very next game is going to be the Alabama game. That's big. And yeah. I'm going to be honest, I'm I no uh
0: you got nothing Lane to Hiffin, worry about.
1: <laughs> they were our closest regular season game last year and Lane Kiffin, he uh, I don't want to I don't want to think about it right now. Um but even if even in a loss, he could still have a big Heisman moment. Even in a loss if he puts up a lot of points and scares us mm-hmm. like Florida did. That's definitely be going to be a quasi Heisman moment. That
0: could be his opportunity. Um, I feel like, like you look at guys like Johnny Manziel, won the Heisman because he beat Bama. Joe, Joe Burrow won the Heisman in part because he beat Bama.
1: I, I don't like even think he been, has to beat us. I think yeah. he just has to be impressive. Yeah, be impressive and show he can show he can put up points in our defense. Um, and the thing is, I think Bryce Young is going to be a hot name to throw out because mm-hmm. he's the Alabama quarterback. But I think he's. He's going to look clearly not as important to the team as somebody yeah. like Matt Corral. Yeah. And I, li- I like Bryce Young, but he's definitely, he's I wouldn't put him, he's not as good as Makratula. Yeah, at least sure. at, he's at least a little not more yet. inaccurate.
0: Yeah.
1: At least not yet. He's more inaccurate, and his timing looks a little little weird sometimes. Mm. So that's okay. Those are my three September Heisman finalists.
0: I, uh, I'll i be honest. I did not prepare any because my, my thought process right now is that it doesn't really feel like there's a clear front-runner at the moment for Heisman, um, at least at least compared to most years. I feel like most years by now, there's at least one or two guys that we kind of have our eye on. Um, I will throw one name out into the fire, though. Uh, this is a long shot, but I'll just say Sean Clifford of Penn State. I think he had a pretty good game against Auburn. Um, if Penn State wins but, out, I think it out that will be good conversation.
1: Yeah, he'll definitely be in the conversation. He was twenty nine and thirty one, so That's he insane. he played well. That's that is insane. Yeah.
0: So I it'll be interesting interesting to see. Um, I, again, like with all these picks, though, like it kind of depends on the success of their team. <laughs> you know, if the teams can win and probably stay in the top ten, all these guys will have a shot. But
1: I do wish they would kind of move the award away from what they've been doing, which is essentially give it to the best quarterback on the best team. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. I I wish they like I liked when somebody like Lamar Jackson won it.
0: He was a quarterback, but yeah, it was like not Louisville wasn't like a playoff team that year. It's
1: Louisville, exactly. He he willed a pretty mediocre Louisville team to playoff contention, right?
0: Yeah, I definitely support that. I mean, I'm very biased here, but like there have been been Wisconsin running backs that I I would say were Heisman worthy, but never really got a lot of the attention just because they weren't quarterbacks. They weren't even invited, yeah. and
1: that's really the biggest the biggest upset there. Yeah. Um, so as far as this year goes, this has been a very chaotic year to say the least. Hey, hey, hey. And according to Adam Rittenberg, UCLA's loss uh, to Fresno marked the nineteenth by an AP ranked team, and this is the most through three weeks of any season in CFB, uh, the most AP ranked losses. So it's not it, you're not just making it up in your head this is legitimately the most chaotic season ever (laughs) at least according to that stat goes but i mean it makes it drives home the point that just trying to pick games or predict anything can be really difficult this season
0: it is and i i think you know like i mean obviously i have a lot of hot takes like you know people people read my posts and stuff and i get that but to (laughs) me man like college football like the fun of it is the unpredictability and the, the craziness and and the the weight of these types of upsets you know like you need to be bold, and like you, you're inherently bold by saying a team like Fresno State would beat UCLA. You know what I mean? Like that's inherently crazy because that's how the sport is, man. Like yeah. the thing, these things happen now. Like these things are happening every week. It seems like there's a huge upset like that, right?
1: Also, fun fact: I just wanted to throw this in because I saw this stat too. The number two and number three years for most AP ranked upsets is 2007 which holds everyone's, a dear place in everybody's heart. Everyone's yeah.
0: favorite year, and, yep. <laughs> and and literally
1: 1984. Literally 1984. Yeah, and that was the year BYU won it. So That's, that had BYU is good
0: this year, too, so look out.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: It's crazy, but I, I think, you know, all these, all these upsets, like, I think it's really good for the sport, wouldn't you say?
1: I think it is. It is good for the sport, but I'm trying to figure out why is this happening now? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really hard to get. I mean, it's never going to be one reason. Is it? It's really hard to tell. Is it kind of holdover from COVID? Is it? Is it? There's more super seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of super seniors on Power Five and Group of Five teams this year. That because they're because they're not championship level teams, their players aren't getting the same NFL looks. So they're they're like, might as well stay another year, right? Have a better shot, right? So I think we're seeing a lot more depth in these types of programs. And that's really, I think it is influencing parity a lot uh, to give a more specific example. Nebraska actually has the most super seniors of any team. And we just saw how they went toe to toe with Oklahoma. Now we don't know if that's the reason they went toe to toe with Oklahoma, but yeah. I think it's worth mentioning. Spencer Rattler was a little. He was cringe. a little
0: shaky. Yeah. I, I know what you mean though, with like the rosters, like it, it, it just, it does feel like, you know, we could look at last season and kind of excuse a lot of it to COVID, but really, because of the fact that, you know, people have gotten an extra year of eligibility, I think that's having some hold over influence, you know, and it's it's probably attributing a little bit to uh, this wonkiness. Um, though, I, I mean, I also have some other, shall we say, theories as to what's happening here, and I, I think I'm you do you. too.
1: <laughs> I, I have a few, I have a few. Um, I think I will say real quick, one of the just a lighter theory. It's not really a theory. It's, it's just the scheduling last year, since we all basically play just each other, it, just our own conference teams. Mm-hmm. I feel like that didn't I feel like scheduling out of conference games makes coaches be a little more creative with their game plan. And they're planning and preparation, and they try different things. And I think going from only playing conference games, only playing the same teams, to now all of a sudden we're playing each other, mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think that is making an impact. And if you notice, a lot of these crazy upsets are out of conference games. They are, yeah. Texas versus Arkansas, Fresno State versus UCLA, Oklahoma, Nebraska was almost in that category. Yeah.
0: I know what you mean, and like It, it is interesting too, because like last year, especially like like the Big Ten and the Pac twelve had shortened seasons, and they they played no out of conference, and so it was a little bit harder to kind of get like a feel for kind of how good every team was. Even at the end of the season, I, I still feel like the rankings were maybe not entirely reflective of how good the teams were, and I think some of that carried over into this year, into you know like the preseason rankings. I think a lot of these teams we kind of assumed to be really really good actually weren't that good. Like, like North Carolina for example uh, they're not they're probably not going to be a top 25 team at the end of the season at this rate yeah, um, yeah. so it's you know that that definitely plays a role in it but my kind of like grander theory with all of this is it, it feels as though the gap between you know p5 programs your average p5 program and your average g5 program it's getting smaller and smaller every single year wouldn't you say uh,
1: yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I think there is more than a few reasons for that, but you know, to give an example of how used to it we are and how gradual it's been. If you remember 2007, the Michigan versus Appalachian State game, <laughs> yep. we still talk about that, you know, 15 years later. But it feels like we've all already forgotten about and don't even mention Florida State versus Jackson. I know, State. we didn't
0: even mention that. Yeah. <laughs> I know like it just feels like every season now there's like at least a handful of pretty big FCS upsets which yeah like 15 years ago was completely unheard
1: of yeah Yeah.
0: um and I think that just kind of shows it's not just G5 I mean it's FCS it's I really think just the overall talent in college football has gone up um for, for many reasons um I mean, I, I have a list of reasons here that I'd be happy to go over. I think you have a list as well.
1: <laughs> I do. I was going to say, I think a big one I'm noticing is there's a weird arms race in even high school athletics yes, for football. Yes. It used to be just Texas, but we're seeing it. You, you talked about how you've seen it in your hometown. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing mm-hmm. it in suburban Birmingham where I grew up and even my own high school is participating in it we were a mediocre high school program we lose in the first or second round of the playoffs but now they have this arms race and all these fancy like facilities and everything and it's crazy to me and now we're sending players to the NFL
0: mm-hmm. it's, it's and it's just
1: weird to see all this level of competition in high school
0: i mean i completely agree with you like it the thing is it really isn't just texas or florida or even georgia anymore um like i will agree that these states do produce more talent and you know it, it, i'm not going to sit here and argue for the Big Ten or something like that, right? But i, I it's not just these places now. And you are going to find high schools all over the nation that are, like, really investing tons of money into their facilities, into their coaches. They're sending these high school kids to, like, fall, like training camps in the spring, you know? They got, like, quarterback camps now.
1: They're it means healthy. that the average... Yeah, it means that the average player coming out of high school that's a three star is much, much better than a three star was fifteen years ago, or at least they're much more prepared. Prepared, yeah. I think that's a good they way to put it. the role easier. And even I mean, if they don't quite have the measurables, they don't need quite as much coaching to compete.
0: Exactly. I feel like at this point, the biggest like difference you're seeing between like a five star and like a three star is going to be just like really, you know, like raw guys. talent, or, like in terms of like you know height speed, weight, you know what I mean? Like very tangible things. Um but like a three star is probably going to the same exact camps as them. They're they're you know they're they're working with the same coaches as them. They're they're playing in the same games as them. They're gonna be just as prepared mentally, right, as these five star guys. They might not have the yeah, athletics, but you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I really think this is one of the bigger reasons.
0: Um Beyond that, um, you know with, with so like our high school arms race and whatnot, I was reading an article uh, about this because I was interested in this um, with IMG Academy. I'm sure everyone's familiar with them. They're like the number one professional high school for athletics. I, yeah. I was reading about how like like Texas schools and Georgia schools were were getting upset because a lot of people born in Texas and Georgia who would go to high school in Texas and Georgia were literally moving to Florida to play at IMG Academy in high school.
1: That's, that's so crazy. And so
0: to, to combat that, they just spent more money in their own high school facilities. You know what I mean? Like, so like it's it's competition in a good way. Like it's good that, you know, like, you know, students are getting more opportunities, right, to be prepared for college and whatnot, though it is a little, I, it's I don't a know, little weird. It's to like dystopian kind of. Life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like and then now you're even seeing scam schools try to somewhat copy the formula, Bishop Sickenmore. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was insane.
0: It's just like the world is getting more competitive. Like this is so it's like, this holds true with like academics to an extent, you know? Like you could argue like it's harder and harder to like get into some of these top colleges and like you got people in high school like taking like, you know, ACT prep and all this stuff. There's like Tiger Moms, you know, it's like the same parallel (laughs) with sports. I feel
1: really bad for some for teenagers these days because there's just so much more pressure placed on them than I feel like we were placed under and we were we were starting to feel some pressure. But it's really been building up the last few years. Yeah. And, I, I, think and like, I think high school high school sports is just a part of it.
0: And, like, I think these high school athletes, like, they see football as, like, a way out a lot of the times. Because a lot of these times, you know, like, these people come from, you know, poverty or just not the best places financially. And obviously they see the money they can make from football, especially now with, like, NIL, right? Um, yeah. you can get decent money in college, you know, at 18. And so I I just, I don't see this going away. I just see this becoming more and more of an arms race. And, you know, as that happens, I think just the gap overall is going to just continue to get smaller and smaller. Like there will be a gap. There's always going to be a gap between a five-star and a three-star, but it's not going to be enough to like win you every game off of just raw talent alone.
1: And I agree with that, but I do think it's odd that while the gap between the normal quote unquote schools are, uh, is closing, It's weird because the biggest complaint in college football is usually the parity at the top. Um, Certain programs just look head and shoulders above Mm -hmm. others and just can just completely out compete others for resources, recruiting, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, Georgia, and and Clemson. And there's just no parity anymore. It's always the same four or five teams in the playoffs. And even despite, you know, this crazy season we're having, we just mentioned it was the most chaotic season literally in college football history. Despite that, the playoffs are probably still going to be Alabama, maybe, probably not Clemson, <laughs> maybe Oklahoma, and it's going to be Oregon. I think Oregon's going to go.
0: Thing is, like, and, like, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma all look, like, exposed in a way. You know but, what I mean?
1: they have so much talent that they can sleepwalk and accidentally back into the playoffs. And based on the program names, I mean, they get one free loss no matter what
0: That is is true. (laughs) Yeah. i and like,
1: the the spoiler programs, quote unquote, are going to be teams that have already been to the playoffs, Georgia and Oregon.
0: Yeah. I see what you're saying. I guess for me, like with, with the gap and whatnot, like, yeah, there, there is kind of a problem with where like Alabama wins it, you know, every year. Like I, I have made that problem very, very clear. In my rants over the years, but think less like a team like Alabama and more so a team like, uh, you know, like like UCLA, right? Like they're really good, you know, but they don't they're not like a top five recruiting program like they're up there, but they're not, you know, you know, what I'm saying it's it's not the elites. It's, it's the pretty goods that are falling down against G5s and FCS schools. It seems
1: exactly exactly.
0: Um, It might take a bit longer for like Alabama to no longer have an advantage (laughs) in recruiting. I
1: think that's. Well, we're always going to have an advantage just because of location. I mean, we're right next to Florida, Georgia. We have a ton of in-state talent. I mean, we, they're just, they're in our backyard. We're always going to have that access, but I will say this leads me to a point that I've been wanting to make. And I know this is kind of a controversial point, but (laughs) I do think a big, a big thing that will help parity at the top from not being such an issue is expanding the college football playoff to 16 teams. Really? I know everybody says eight or 12, but I've always been a big fan of 16. I've, I've argued with it endlessly in uh, CFB pain. Uh, I'm a fan of 16 teams and guarantee that every FBS conference champion gets a slot. It's like it's easy. It's easier to sell a kid, sell a kid on your program when you can say, Hey, we're going to win our conference. Come be in the playoffs and have a chance.
0: I guess, like, yeah, that's, like, the main argument for that. I, I, I get it. I, I don't know. I feel like the whole playoff conversation to me is, like, a, a totally different debate in a way. Um,
1: it, it was more of a side note than anything. I didn't yeah. want to hammer that point too hard. I could probably also, rant for, like,
0: hours about that, but that's not I know. I didn't want to I didn't
1: <laughs> rally run, And I knew you would disagree, so I wanted to leave you that <laughs> We'll hit, save so. it for
0: another episode. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I do think, okay, more important than the college football playoff is, I think, the transfer rule. Mm. So, the thing with the transfer rule is a lot of players, what we're seeing is a lot of players are willing to try their shot at a place like Alabama, Ohio State. But hey, I might have, I could start there and be a real star. But as soon as they can't cut it, they can easily transfer out to a different program. That's true. Without any kind of punishment. So, they're much more willing to take that risk.
0: And we see a lot of, transfers it seems like at the very top you know i mean joe burrow was a transfer from ohio state
1: um alabama's best two players are transfers yeah. well i'm not gonna say best two but probably two most in two of the most impactful henry tooto i hope i said that right <laughs> our uh, middle linebacker who's been really good this year and uh jamison williams is a receiver that we've we've needed yeah and we I- needed him in the florida game for sure
0: our best uh, running back this year is Ches Malusi, and he's from Clemson. It's just, it just feels like it's just happening everywhere. You know, everyone's getting. Yeah, and our, our
1: wide receivers from Ohio State. We post the guy from Ohio State of all places. I don't <laughs> know why he left Ohio State. Maybe he wasn't going to get playing time.
0: I feel like that's usually the case with a lot of these programs because I feel like, especially right. the very tippity top, they don't have. You know, like you might get a spot in like second string, but there's so much competition to, to get a starting role you know, at like an Ohio State or an Alabama or a Clemson.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, one thing I wanted to just kind of talk about that I was, because I, I was thinking of this today on my drive home from work. One other reason I think we're seeing so many upsets is because it is still pretty early on in the season. Um, we're at the point where like depth doesn't necessarily come into play. Um, and I feel like one of the biggest advantages of like the blue bloods and, you know, like the, the, the top tier recruiting programs really is depth. It allows them to win not only in September, but, you know, late into the season in December when it's conference championship season, when it's bowl season and when it's playoff season, you know, the thing is like teams aren't really that beat up yet. More or less teams are healthy. They still have other starters. And this really isn't true at the end of the season, uh, particularly for G5 teams or, you know, lesser P5 programs that just don't have this endless reservoir of, you know, backups who are four stars who can come in and more or less fill in the role.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, I've always said that pretty much the top of the FCS and even, and especially the top of the G5, they they can beat probably... Some of the top of the Power Five on any given day. Mm-hmm. It's really the end of the season when they're probably when they can't play a whole slate of it and continue to win. Right, it's because hard. They they're get beat up.
0: It's so hard to win like more than once. I guess is what I'm saying. Which, which makes like Alabama's streak so impressive. It just it seems so effortless, you know, compared to a team like Clemson. Now that it, it seems we have like, gotten,
1: like I will say we have gotten insanely lucky on some of these championship years. <laughs>
0: I don't know, man. It doesn't feel like luck sometimes.
1: (laughs) It's divine will. There's Uh, higher powers at play.
0: Perhaps. Um, I guess that's, that's mostly what I wanted to say. I guess I, I had one final point on, on this season, um, of what we've kind of observed so far. Um, and that that's has to do with the quarterback situations across the country. I think, um, you know, people are pretty disappointed in how Spencer Rattler's been doing, how DJ Uyunglele. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And they
1: love throwing in the triple coverage.
0: How how CJ Stroud has done. It it feels like a lot of these guys were very hyped up high school recruits. You know, four star, five star guys. It 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 feels like they've underperformed. That they've kind of disappointed. But like the thing is, I I think we're just like we're conditioned to assuming that every five-star freshman quarterback is going to be this just like Trevor Lawrence type figure who comes in his true freshman year and just like effortlessly wins every game, effortlessly scores touchdowns, doesn't make mistakes. And that's just you're not, saying
1: you just think they need more development.
0: I think they need more development, man. Like, I think we're expecting too much from a lot of these guys, especially because they're like, they're freshmen. Even if they're sophomores, I mean, it's, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, a freshman had never won the Heisman. And now we've got multiple freshman Heisman winners, you know, and it's just, I just think people's perspectives are a little bit skewed because of the recent success of a handful of guys. Again, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Lamar Jackson was very, very good. He won the Heisman his sophomore year. Um, You know, I just, I give, give Stroud some time, give Rattler some time. You know, these guys are obviously talented. They just, they just need more, need more action.
1: You know, I do think. Okay, so that does contradict with one of our points we just made earlier does about it? how. Yeah, well, what well, well, we were talking about how more and more we're seeing that players are more ready to just step in, step into the season. I will just, say, I, to, to, yeah, but yeah, I think COVID. It's a whole. It's the COVID holdover. You know, I for, think for, that for me, the
0: caveat is, is is quarterback, dude. It's the quarterback position. It's just it's an inherently difficult it's position complex, to. Yeah,
1: and but pe- I think I think. COVID has a lot to do with it because they that that one year, it's not like they instantly, as soon as COVID's more or less over, it's not like they instantly just get back all that lost time. They still have to develop mm-hmm. on lost time. They can't just make it up that easily. Right. And I mean... So, I think we're still seeing them. We're seeing them uh, I guess half a year younger than they really are. I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but I think people understand the point that I'm making. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I, th- I just think we hold college quarterbacks to like too high of a standard. You know, you look at like a top tier NFL quarterback who gets drafted, a guy like Joe Burrow, people are like more than happy to give the number one pick, like two or three years to figure it out. You know, we're happy to give them mulligans or like some growing pains. Whereas in college football, we expect like an 18 year old to come in like, you yeah know, right out of the gate and, and, and beat Bama or something, you know?
1: No. Well, I will say, I think I, I do think what people want to see out of a college quarterback is a I want to say a little different than what they want to see out of an NFL quarterback. I think what people people would be more happy with DJ and CJ Stroud and whoever else if they they're okay with them making mistakes as long as they can also throw touchdowns. Right. They need to be able to throw touchdowns. That's why despite Sam Howell having as many picks as he does that's why he still gets a lot of praise is because okay he can throw the touchdowns too we're not seeing a whole lot of scoring out of these guys and no, i think that's yeah. really the main problem
0: yeah there's not a lot of like insane highlights so far this year that it doesn't feel like you know what i mean we're like there's some just dropping a dime 50 yard dime effortlessly you're scrambling and making something crazy happen and that I might mean, be COVID too some conservative play calling you know
1: i think the issue with a guy like spencer rattler is that Okay, so he he loves to throw in the triple coverage with DJ Uyangalale, I haven't watched a whole lot of Clemson, but he's not getting the ball in the end zone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With CJ Stroud, he can score a little bit, but he's he's inaccurate. He's, he's a little yeah. He's inaccurate, and he just doesn't. It doesn't look like he has a lot of confidence in the throws that he makes. He doesn't make like a quick I want to throw it here decision. But,
0: but to me, that's like maybe he just needs more time. You know, more more yeah. games, just feel more comfortable.
1: Out know. of all of them, I give CJ Stroud the most the most. Uh, most of biggest leash for sure.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how these guys develop. I guess as the season goes on. I mean, there are only like three games into the year, like their, their first yeah. year playing or whatever. So it's not you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. I feel like you got to give them time. <laughs> we can reassess at the end of the season and see if they've you know improved any and and kind of go from there. Is how I'm looking at it. Yeah.
1: All right. Do you have some? Do we have some games we want to talk about?
0: This, this week, pick I've got a handful. Um, I guess me I too. can I can open it up with uh, well for me my game of the week.
1: I out. already know what yours is going to be, yeah, and I, I want know. to hammer down. I want to hammer home this point that we're not going to focus as nearly as hard on making a specific pick as we are as just talking about what to look for in these games.
0: Right, right. I don't. I we're, listen. We've been we're going to make flack.
1: We're going to make the picks, but please don't 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 <laughs> come to our house and beat us up if we get it <laughs> wrong. If we get it
0: wrong, yeah. <laughs> we're trying, guys. We're trying.
1: We're trying our best.
0: Speaking of trying, I I pray to God that the Wisconsin Badgers <laughs> try this Saturday morning against number twelve Notre Dame at Soldier Earth. Field. Of course, I'll be uh, I'll be driving there. Uh, probably waking Ooh. up at like five a.m. to drive to Chicago and uh, watch the game, and then drive home. Presumably, um, <laughs> this game has been on my calendar for like years. It's kind of Kind of surreal that it's here. If uh, for those who don't know, uh, Wisconsin was supposed to play Notre Dame last year uh, at Lambeau Field, though it was unfortunately canceled due to COVID. Um, and I don't know. I I realize I'm biased, being a Wisconsin fan, but I feel like if even if you were a neutral observer, this is probably a pretty compelling game to at least be interested in. We have the narrative, which is one of the bigger narratives I would argue of the season, which is you know Jack Cohen playing his former team. Uh, that, that kind of thing doesn't happen too often in college sports. Um, so I, I am looking forward to the, I, I, it, it really isn't, but quarterback duel between Jack Cohen and Graham Mertz and, and seeing who can come up on top.
1: That's one way to put it.
0: <laughs> it won't be much of a duel, I don't think, but to, to see them both in the field will be uh, will be cool.
1: <laughs> I'll be honest, I tried to defend Graham Mertz early on in oh, I know, I know, he, I know. He's not very good. It's true. He's not. He, literally, all he had to do to win the Penn State game, he didn't have to make any throws. All he had to do was not fumble handoffs. Yep. And he couldn't do that. So
0: Let the running backs do the work. That's the Wisconsin still, game plan. He
1: still hasn't yet to throw a touchdown this season.
0: It's true. It's true. Which is kind of, I don't know. Part of that's the play calling. Uh, listen, Paul Christ, I don't know what it is with him. He has the most vanilla play calling, I would argue, of anyone in college football. Um, if, if you watch this game... Take note, we will run on first down throughout the entire game. Every single first down, it's going to be a run. Um, And and the defenses know this. The the defenses know this. It's, I mean, I just, this team has the talent to compete in the Big Ten. It has the talent to beat Notre Dame. It has the talent to maybe even, I'll say it, maybe even like go to the playoffs. But the coaching just isn't there. The discipline isn't there. I don't think we win this game. I just hope it's close. I I really hope it's a close game, so I don't like regret driving out three hours and to Chicago and spending all this money on tickets. Because if we get embarrassed, which I think we will, it's gonna be a long drive home. That's kind of. Yeah, I think
1: no matter what happens, I don't think y'all get embarrassed. Um, I'm scared to say that because now me saying that means you're going to <laughs> <laughs> kiss of death. No, but Notre Dame has played all of their games close. It's I true. don't think that means that they're bad even though they played three pretty bad teams they, played to, their
0: bad. Opponent. they played to their opponent they played down, play
1: down to their opponent but hey hey i maybe they are just bad maybe they've <laughs> been yet to be exposed and they need to be exposed i mean i just want to throw that out and th- throw that out into the air because that is a big possibility um yeah. if you notice the one thing is that they're letting not so great offenses score a lot of points on them and that's not standard notre dame football true so that's why if I was a Notre Dame fan, I would be very concerned about this game.
0: That, that, that's like the one thing that gives me hope, because I know our defense will be pretty good. I'm not going to I hope it don't jinx that. We, we do have a pretty good defense. Um, just our problem is always the offense, specifically scoring in the red zone. Um, I think I, I think if we can find a way to score in the red zone and not turn the ball over in the red zone, we'll be fine. But I, I just don't think we'll do that, is what I'm saying. You
1: just got to play clean football. Play clean football. Uh,
0: Randy, and that's what hurts the most. I'm telling you, for so long, Wisconsin was clean football. But not this year, not last year. I don't know, man. COVID just, like, it's, it really wrecked our program, I guess, because we've been sloppy as hell ever since.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Jimbo.
0: Um... <laughs> don't feel sorry yet. feel sorry <laughs> if we lose. Just, just think of me. If, if Wisconsin loses, think of me. And then I'm probably in traffic in Chicago somewhere, desperately wanting to be home.
1: All right. Well, I have a game I wanted to point out now. Please. Um, Texas A&M versus Arkansas. I Hell think this yeah. game is very, very interesting. Very interesting. So I'm going to take away uh, my a little moniker we gave Florida State, which was they're not as bad as they look. They'll they'll beat Wake Forest. Well, they <laughs> lost 35-14, so I'm taking that away from them. And I'm going to give the I promise they're not as bad as they look award now to Texas. Texas I don't you know. think Texas, no regular Texas. Oh, regular Texas. And the reason yeah. I bring up regular Texas in this conversation is they lost by three touchdowns to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Arkansas is pretty good. Arkansas has a tendency when they get a new coach, they can have a pretty good first year for whatever reason. He's able to get them motivated. And I think Pittman is Sam Pittman, their new coach. I think he's a good coach. Um, Arkansas is able to put up points. Their offense it looks decent, and that's what we're not not what we're used to seeing. That's true. Their defense looks good enough. Uh, with Texas A and M, you have to remember they played Colorado very close, and we don't really know how good Colorado is. Well,
0: didn't Colorado just lose zero to thirty against Minnesota? Yeah, they lost thirty to nothing against Minnesota.
1: Was that this year? <laughs>
0: that, that was two days ago. <laughs>
1: I did not see that game. Okay. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, no, Colorado got destroyed by Minnesota, and Texas A&M barely beat them 10-7. to So, like, that should raise some alarms, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, With Texas well, A&M, like, they just haven't really played anyone that good, whereas at least Arkansas has played, in, in my opinion, still a pretty good Texas. So I think they'll be a little bit more prepared. Um, this is at home for Arkansas, which also helps. I, I think Arkansas wins, man. I'll say it. I think they're 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 legit this year and Texas A&M probably isn't the seven best best team in the nation despite what the AP says. I just don't think they're quite that good.
1: I as much as my heart wants to say Arkansas, but my brain says Texas A&M. <laughs> I, Texas A&M is pretty pretty good. They usually have a close tough game anyway, but I think Texas A&M I think they have a higher talent composite. They have a more tenured coach in Jimbo Fisher. Good old Jimbo. Yeah. I I purposely added the pause there, and I just think they have they have more of the complete package to be able to grind this game out. And I they 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 know what Arkansas is going to be about. They know what to expect. They're not they going are. to be surprised by how good Arkansas might be. I
0: feel like prior to like prior to last year, Texas A&M has been kind of just middle of the ish SEC team, like a seven and five, maybe eight and four team under Jimbo Fisher. I just, I don't think they're quite, I don't think they're quite at that elite level that everyone else is placing them at. And so I think yeah, a team they're like, not an elite uh, level,
1: but they, 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 I think they're content with being the best of the rest in the West. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I did that not funny. mean to that rhyme. No, I think they're content with being like the second best SEC West program and trying to aim for that yeah. and maybe get over the hump with a little bit more time. I think they're okay with that for now.
0: I- I've heard you use that phrase before, like or at least comparing them to like basically the second you know best team behind Bama, and you know if that is true, they got to beat Arkansas. Like uh, the second best team in the SEC do. West doesn't lose to Arkansas, so that'll be a good one to watch.
1: Sure. And I also have a question for you. Please. How funny would it be if Clemson started the season two and two? <laughs>
0: dude, I was going to make up the script the too.
1: ultimate. They play the ultimate ACC spoiler next yep. game in North Carolina State. Yep. North Carolina State has – I think North Carolina State has literally ruined their season before. They've ruined Florida State seasons before. They they are the spoiler. Um, This is going to be a very interesting game. North Carolina State, they have Devin Leary, a quarterback, who we haven't heard a whole lot about, but he's quietly had a very good season. He's uh six touchdowns, two interceptions, eight hundred yards, sixty-eight percent completion, very decent stats. Um, however, Clemson's defense, you know, is still Clemson's defense. They're still pretty good. Yeah. Their their problem is not defense. It's the offense. But that means if they can get if they can, if North Carolina State can have a couple breaks, very winnable game. Absolutely. And North Carolina State's offense is not bad. I mean, they only put up 10 versus Mississippi State, but it's really hard to judge a team on how they play in Mississippi State because they're the most hot and cold team in the world. That's true. Yeah,
0: and this one is at uh, North Carolina State, so Clemson going to be playing on the road. Um, I, this is definitely one to look for. I, I think, like Clemson, man, I I just don't think they're the real deal this year. I really don't. Some yeah, of them very sus, it shall we say. <laughs>
1: And it's literally just their offense.
0: Yeah, which is the weirdest thing, because normally they're, like, one of the best offenses in the nation. But, again, that's because they've had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson all these years. Like, they've been, they've had these, like, NFL-caliber quarterbacks, like, pretty much for the last decade. And, you know, again, we I mean, just assume a guy like DJ is going to come in and be just like Trevor Lawrence, but he's not. And so, as a result, Clemson's just not quite as good, you know?
1: Yeah, I'd also like to point out, uh, they have a pretty balanced... North Carolina State has a very balanced offense. They have a decent running back as, as well. His name is Zonovan Knight. Not Jonathan, Zonovan. Zonovan. That's yeah, so far bland. he has 300 yards in the air. So through three games, that's about 100 yards per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a couple touchdowns, so he's... He's pretty good, too. I mean, we're just going to see what they can do. Hopefully they have a good game plan. I'm definitely going to watch that game.
0: I think at a minimum, it'll be within two scores. I I don't think... If if Clemson wins, it's not going to be by a million like normally. You know what I mean? I think Clemson's just... They're a low-scoring offense this year. Let's face it.
1: My heart wants to say North Carolina State, but my head says Clemson.
0: No, I'll just say it. I've got NC State. I think they win.
1: (laughs) Okay. I would have let you do you.
0: No, it's a hot take, uh-huh. but I gotta do it. <laughs> I just
1: don't think. Okay, I think I think ultimately how the game's going to play out is North Carolina State's not going to be able to score. It's going to be one of those rough, grinded out games, and Clemson's going to win by like a field goal or something.
0: Uh, to me, that's enough of a moral victory for North Carolina that I would take the win.
1: So to bring up another team that, if you remember last week, they had to have a moment of silence for, that could also start two and two is Iowa State. He plays Baylor. Baylor. Baylor 3-0. Yeah. Baylor's three and Um, Iowa state's two and one. Brock Purdy had a very typical Brock Purdy game last week. Mm-hmm. And that's that he can play almost near perfectly against crappy teams. But the second he plays a decent team, he just completely falls apart. So Baylor, they is, have is, not is been Baylor tested. a decent
0: team though.
1: That's the thing. <laughs> okay. So we don't know. I mean, we just straight up don't know. They played Kansas. Texas Southern and Texas State. Yep. Granted, they won the games pretty comfortably, but I mean, I, we just don't know anything about them. But it it interests me. How about that?
0: That's well said. And one thing, Baylor. It looks like they can put up points. I mean, I know again, I know what's Kansas, but they put up forty five points against Kansas, sixty six against Texas Southern. So it's it's obviously you know probably gonna be a pretty high scoring game. At which point, it's a matter of like, can Brock Purdy keep up? Yeah, you know I mean, can he can he not make mistakes? Can I think he that's actually...
1: what it kind of boiled down to is he, is can he? I don't think he has to win in a shootout, but I think he has to be able to keep up and not throw it to the other team. Don't panic, yeah. Just don't panic. If he can keep a cool head, I think I I like Iowa State in this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of three no teams, we've got two here in the Big Ten. <laughs> this is a game I that knew it. probably knows better up. <laughs> No one probably would have thought it would have been interesting heading into the season, but we got Rutgers uh, at Michigan. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think people are sleeping on Michigan. I'll say it. I really? think Michigan low-key might might actually win the Big Ten this year. I think, first of all, I think Michigan beats Ohio State. Put that on record right now. I've said before in in Discord, but yeah, well. Michi- Michigan's beating Ohio State this year. It's just flat out. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, the only real threat I see against Michigan is probably Penn State. I think that's that's the game of the year in the Big Ten right there. Whoever wins that probably wins the Big Ten. So people are looking at this Rutgers game. And with all due respect to Rutgers, they've improved as a program. I, I think they're actually a, a respectable program for the first time in ages. But this is, let's face it, this is at Michigan. This is at the Big House. Michigan has a ton of momentum. They are firing on all cylinders on offense. Their one game is one of the best in the nation. I think they come out, they dominate, they, they win very comfortably. We're talking 21, 28-point victory or something like that, right? They it, it should be a pretty safe and comfortable win for Michigan. One that probably puts them up, I guess, top 15. I think they, they're starting to get a little bit of respect here in the AP poll. I think beating Rutgers comfortably probably puts them top 15, which they should be.
1: I, I, I'm actually going to agree. You can quote me on this as well. What I do think f- Michigan, I do think Michigan beats Ohio state too. It's the year, dude. Um, it's it's just, the year. Michigan's good. Look, Ohio state's good. down.
0: <laughs> you know, it's. And
1: I think, I think the biggest reason we're wanting to talk about this game is because, I mean, let's face it. Rutgers is a bit of program that's been super in the dumps the past few years. True. Averaging what? One win a year. About that. Yeah. And they're, they are, New coach, I don't. Well, I don't think he's actually new. Well, returning coach, but returning <laughs> coach, Greg yep. Um yep. They're three and zero. They look improved, even if they haven't been very tested. They have a power five win, mm-hmm. and people are just excited. People like to see programs that were once I, awful start I get out hot. Yeah,
0: I think it's great. I, I think it's it. great. Yeah,
1: and that level of optimism and excitement and seeing these programs. Do this and just see how passionate they are, mm-hmm. and see how see how happy it makes their players and their students. Like mm-hmm. that's part of why we love football. So that's ultimately why we like to see this happen and cheer for these types of games and get interested. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Michigan's gonna crush these hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> They've
0: got a rough stretch here. Rutgers has. They've got Michigan. Then they play uh, against Ohio also State. Michigan State then. Yeah, it's, it
1: Northwestern's like, usually to a tough out in the Big Ten.
0: Northwestern's not good this year, but even then, I mean, I I think, I think Rutgers has a decent shot of going bowling. Um, I I know, like I've said in the past, I don't think they do, but it's like for me, it's a toss up if if they finish six or six or not. But what is important is that they are improving, and I think if they can keep this up, you know, it, it, they're only a few years removed away from maybe being like an eight and four team, maybe a nine and three team, right? If they can really you know keep recruiting. Obviously keep Shannon there. I think he's he's their guy, right? He's clearly the best coach to be at Rutgers right now. Um this just isn't the game that does that. This is, they're not there yet. <laughs> you know. But they, they might yeah. be a few years.
1: I would now like to give we're gonna do our pac twelve shout out. Please. We like to we like to include them even though we're not West Coasties. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna look at Stanford and UCLA. Um again UCLA just came off that loss to Fresno State. Mm-hmm. By the way, I want to give myself credit. I do remember saying I could see them having having an off game coming out of the bye That's after true. beating LSU. That's true. And that is what happened. I mean, all the credit in the world to Fresno And Fresno earned that win and they're a good team. Mm-hmm. But um it shows that they're a little they're a vulnerable team yeah. and Stanford even though they started off the season with a loss to Kansas State 24 to 7. They've slowly picked it up. They beat USC by a couple touchdowns. They got Clay Helton fired. Um, (laughs) I comfortably beat Vanderbilt. So, and it's a home game for them. So we could see what could happen in this game.
0: On the other hand, I I just, I think UCLA bounces back. I think they're kind of mad about that loss. Um, I I think on paper, UCLA has more talent, probably better coaching under Chip Kelly. Um, It's Pac-12, you know, football. So anything's on the table. Though it's not packed 12 after dark, so it might not get too crazy. After dark. It's, it's, yeah. It starts at 5 Central, so it's not going to be too dark there. Um, <laughs> I, It'll I, be dark
1: by half time. I could
0: see it being close. I, I could see Stanford, you know, keeping it interesting. But I think UCLA uh, pulls through and, and ultimately wins this one.
1: Yeah, UCLA is going to win. I, I, th- I just think there are a lot. Even though right now on paper they look about even in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, is going to be better. Yeah. When I say on paper, I don't mean like talent level and coaching. I mean just based on how they've beaten the teams they've beaten yeah. and how they've lost.
0: Yeah. And, and again, um, like I mean, we UCLA's
1: talk about athletes are just too good.
0: They are. We talk about hindsight a lot, but I, I I could see us looking back uh in December and looking back at that UCLA's uh loss to Fresno and being like, Yep, that's totally fine. Fresno's a ten and two team. You know what I mean? It's it makes sense. Um so I got UCLA
1: me too. I want to point out fun fact. I remember as a as a little brief side note in Fresno State history in 2017 when we sorry to bring this up. Beat out, <laughs> out, out Wisconsin uh for the playoff spot. Uh, uh people were mad because Alabama, they have no ranked wins. Yeah. They have one ranked win against Fresno. That was literally our only ranked regular season win. <laughs> was Fresno State, and they were like twenty-four or twenty-five. People were bad. mad about that
0: unbelievable.
1: Hey, hey, it's still a ranked win. I'll take it.
0: Hey, speaking of off topic here and Fresno State, one thing I want to say, I couldn't watch that Fresno State UCLA game because it was on the Pac-12 network. Um, well, there are, there are I know, ways we I could know say. there are ways. I was just really bummed about this. It was like 11 o'clock here by the time the game is at like maybe halftime. And I, I remember looking at the score and thinking, this could be interesting. I I, I might want to see this. Of course, I couldn't watch it on, you know, my cable. So, I just went to bed and I wake up, and you know, the game thread on Reddit saying, Oh my god, this was the most exciting game of the year! I'm so happy I stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch this. I'm like, You gotta be
1: definitely just a good one. I did find it a little, uh, a little sus how many people were talking in Maine about the game as it was going (laughs) on. And I'm thinking, Man, a lot of people sure do buy the Pac 12 Network. (laughs) I I don't even know
0: how to get it, dude. I don't even know if I can. Uh, it's just a shame. It's a shame the Pac-12
1: makes it so hard to watch their games. That's I what the them. NFL does, too. That's what know, the NFL I does. They watch, it's so impossible to watch NFL games. I'm literally actively seeking out how to watch the NFL games, but because I stream, mm-hmm. they make it impossible for me to watch pretty much any game. And I'm trying to consume, consume your product. I want to watch the NFL, yes. mostly because there's a ton of Alabama players. <laughs> but still, I want to watch it, and I just can't. And I'm like, whatever. Oh, yeah. So I just... Go on about my Sunday. And
0: one of my favorite things about college football is the fact that we get to like have ESPN and ESPN two and ESPNu, ESPN News, Big Ten Network, SEC Network, ACC Networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, all these networks broadcasting games at the same exact time, and you can choose like literally any game out there, basically.
1: And that's a big fun part of it. Is like especially when a lot of games are about to end at the yeah. same time that are close, you're having to frantically flip through oh, right between so plays. Fun. Or if you're on your computer, you have like you have your monitor and you kind of resize all the windows to where you can fit four different windows in the same monitor. (laughs) I do that pretty much every Saturday. Oh, man. All right. Another game I wanted to bring up that I think is going to be interesting is West Virginia and Oklahoma.
0: Hello. Um, hello,
1: West Virginia. Hey, that was that was my not hot take, but it's a take take. Last week, I got that one right where they beat Virginia Tech. I don't want to say comfortably, but I will say they were winning by three touchdowns at the end of at the start of the fourth quarter. That was a
0: quarter. good game. That came down. It
1: to was fire. a good yeah. game. Virginia Tech came back but didn't win, so West Virginia still got the win. But I think West Virginia is pretty decent. I think they're going to give Oklahoma a run for their money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, that's assuming Spencer Rattler doesn't stop throwing in a triple coverage.
0: I got to say, uh, looking at the season in review, you know, three weeks in, quarter of the way through. I think the, the the award for most sussy team easily goes to Oklahoma. I, I can't believe they're three zero. I'll say it. They've had such sus wins against Tulane, against Nebraska. They they've come close to being exposed twice now. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. Like I almost wonder if they're kind of like gonna pull a a twenty fourteen Florida State and like keep winning, but not not winning comfortably. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll win out, but it'll be like really really shady. They'll win by like seven every single game and play down to their opponent every single game, and then ultimately be exposed in the playoffs. Do you, do you think that's I wonder, possible?
1: <laughs> I do think it's possible. I wonder if part of their their sloppiness versus like Nebraska and Tulane is they they fall into a bit of complacency for those games. They didn't prepare as well as they should. And just kind of assume that they're going to win because they're Oklahoma.
0: I assumed like after the two, like I I was willing to use that excuse on Tulane, like assuming it was a Mulligan first game of the year, you know, G5 opponent, whatever. But to to come out that flat against Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska, dude, it's shocking.
1: Nebraska is bad. They are bad. the body language on Scott Frost. Is he looks like he doesn't want to be there, I and I know a lot of people are gonna a lot of people are gonna say things like, "Well, he, what do you want him to not look stoic?" It's not that he doesn't look stoic. Stoic coaches are fine. Mm-hmm. He looks disengaged. You notice he's not really like clapping. He's mm-hmm. not really saying a lot to the players. He's not really talking talking into the headset. Yeah. He looks like he's just kind of staring off into space.
0: Yeah, just bored. Doesn't want to be there.
1: Yeah, and because he knows his time is. This time is limited. Right. But that's the thing is, look at just how you look. Look at what you just did. If you would just <laughs> motivate these these kids, like, come on, man.
0: Score one more touchdown, you might actually and, get a job. Hey, a at lot of people season. keep making...
1: I'm tired of people making uh, excuses for Nebraska. Nebraska has the fourth highest talent composite in the Big Ten. They have access to coaches. It's a, it's a decent job. Mm-hmm. Is it the same as Nebraska in the 90s? Absolutely not. But they have... They why settle for a four win season? Yeah, I shouldn't. Well, that shouldn't be expected of them. They're they can settling for it 10. because
0: they w- weren't happy with their nine win seasons under Bo Polini.
1: That's what I'm saying. Nine, ten win seasons with the occasional possible eleven or twelve yeah. is totally perfectly acceptable. Yeah. And I think yeah. Marasca is totally capable of doing that.
0: Absolutely, they're choosing not to. Basically,
1: choosing not to. Whatever. <laughs> their loss. Uh Do
0: you have any other games here? Um, I have
1: up? one more I wanted to bring up. Let sure. me find it. It was... Dun, dun, dun. Oh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Uh, kind of a... I feel bad about how overlooked these teams have been. I feel like we haven't talked about them at all. Both are 3-0. Um, yeah, both are 3-0. Um, Oklahoma State beat Boise State, who's... I mean, Boise State, their name speaks for themselves. They're an okay team. Boise State is one and two, but they have lost to UCF and Oklahoma State who are pretty good in close games. So I don't want to disparage Boise State too much. Um, Kansas State, I know there was a, I don't want to call it a scandal, but they were mad that a game that was promised to be nationally televised was stripped from them (laughs) them at the last second. I
0: thought you were going to say the scandal was that TikTok of the Kansas State players singing Justin Bieber's baby (laughs)
1: I did. I saw that. That was pretty funny. Um oh, man. Kansas State, they played Nevada. They won that comfortably. They beat Stanford comfortably, which yeah. I brought up earlier. I mean, I think these are two two above average decent Big Twelve teams that could push, make a push for the Big Twelve Championship yeah. in the event that Oklahoma does not get their crap together.
0: I can definitely see that. I mean, it's uh especially Kansas State here. Looking at their their resume, I mean they beat Stanford pretty comfortably and we were just saying how you know, Stanford is a pretty decent program this year. What worries me about Oklahoma State is they're winning games, but they're always really close. They beat Boise by one point. They, they beat Tulsa by, like, five. They they beat their FCS opponent by, like, a touchdown. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just that seems a little bit too close for a Gundy team that, you know, normally would be putting, be putting up, like, 50 points in these types of games. So their, their offense is a little bit... um a little bit worrying to me. Uh, so I, I think I lean towards Kansas State in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I I would. Eh, I don't even know. You don't even know. I will go Kansas State, too. Um, the thing with the Big 12 is that the Big 12 just looks completely wide open this year. It does. And a wide open a wide open Big 12 means Oklahoma floats to the top.
0: Sadly. Just somehow. Sadly. <laughs> That's like, what's going to happen. That's what I'm saying, dude. They're going to like walk backwards into it. I don't know how. I don't know how they do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right, Randy. Quick, it
0: Randy. It's been good talking Jimbo. to
1: you. I uh Oh dang, it's been an hour.
0: It's been this is probably the longest gym podcast yet. I appreciate everyone for i did not uh, it's
1: been that long. We had a, we covered a, quite a few topics. I just it was t- kind of nice to be able to I guess use some hindsight bias now that we can have that on the season. Yeah, it's
0: it's less like predicting things uh and more so like reviewing kind of where we've come
1: reviewing and trying to trying to use these press predictions to I guess draw a narrative for the season right uh, make some overall points and use that to show why we're thinking what we're thinking when we talk about these games and make certain picks
0: exactly well uh hopefully uh it's a good weekend in uh college football I I am nervous I'll be honest I mean I I'm kind of dreading this Saturday to be honest but
1: that won't be that bad that hey think about bad. how happy you'll be if Wisconsin wins.
0: I would I though
1: you would be. Don't <laughs> don't be such a doomer. Hey, if it makes you feel better, I am extremely nervous and for playing Lane Kiffin. I don't want to do that.
0: That's fair. Hey, that'll probably be the game of uh, next week. I'd say that we'll talk, oh, God. talk about But uh until then, thanks again, Randy. Thanks again to all our listeners. We we really appreciate the support you guys have been giving us. Uh, honestly, I, I love hearing you guys, you know, give feedback, tell us what you liked about oh, the yeah. episode. Um, I love shout talking to
1: everybody about the podcast especially when we get random tags about things that we said, we'll get random tags about things we said late into an episode and we're like oh hey, people do listen to the yeah, end
0: I, I appreciate it, <laughs> if you're somehow here after an hour, God bless you we really appreciate yep. it <laughs> alright, well thanks again Randy and Thank uh, you uh, God bless America Roll
1: tight On Wisconsin